Why Do We Sound So Good? Because we're at Dead Aunt Thelma's studio and Mike Moore is engineering for us. Thanks, Dead Aunt Thelma's. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everyone. I'm Susanna Mars, and welcome to Adventures in Artslandia. Madison Cario became RAC's executive director in January 2019. They have brought more than 20 years of experience working as connector, curator, artist, poet, and Marine Corps veteran. There are big changes going on at RAC, and we're going to talk about what that means to artists and art in Clackamas, Multnomah, and Washington County, and the communities that artists serve. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me, Madison. Good morning, and thank you for waiting a year to bring me in here. It's worth every minute. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting. We were talking right before we began about your work as an artist, and I think it would be great for everyone to know where you came from prior to joining, well, to becoming an arts administrator. That's great, yeah. Well, I always say I came from the dark side, right? And the dark side for me was as a technician, Mm. So I, my journey uh, in the arts started as a, as a wrench, as someone who was backstage, um, setting up lights, learning how to coil cable, um, selling tickets, so all the things that were supporting the arts. Um, and then slowly my journey took me to the other side as I realized opportunities to translate um, really between the fields. Mm. So I remember standing in the wings um, listening to a choreographer who was a little bit frustrated with the the technical director. Um, She was saying that she wanted the light to be, you know, cool. And, and, and he kept bringing up blue light and she said, no, 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 not, you know, cool. And so there was a language barrier. And um, I went up on the board and brought up some white light. And she's like, yes, that's what I meant. So like understanding and being able to translate different languages. So then I got really excited about lighting design. So I started doing that. Um, I learned a lot along the way. And that's kind of been my journey into into the arts. In what Um, city did you begin? Oh, my goodness. I will guess, I will say my beginning was in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, Is that where you grew up? That is partially where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I kind of grew up all up and down the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, but I think my heart and my my formative years, I will say, were in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I w- was really interested to see that you're a veteran of the Marine Corps, yes. and I wondered, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your service. Yeah, thank you. And in what way did you serve? Um, well, I... I um, that's another funny story. Again, that's like being an artist and having these wiggly lines. I um, had dropped out of college because I wasn't happy with the school that I was in. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I returned to New York and was working in publishing and wasn't really happy with that either um, because I'm a secret writer, Hmm. which we'll get to in a little bit. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to to study language. And I I heard that the Marine Corps, um, actually the the U.S. services in general, have the best language um, development programs available. So interesting because I was telling you I had done a State Department trip this last year and we learned that from many of the people we work with there too. And it is in beautiful Monterey Bay, California. Oh, gorgeous. Yes. So I was very excited and also because I had to work my way through college. So Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity, you know, they will pay for college when you get out and it looked great. So I signed up and um, because I tested so high mm-hmm. on the entrance exam in math, um, they placed me in electrical engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yes, language, electrical engineering. Um, their argument, because I was a little upset at that point, <laughs> as you can imagine, um, was that, well, it's still within communications. And we said we would give you something within the field of communications. So 
Instead of the lovely Monterey Bay, California learning languages, I was in the Mojave Desert um, in 29 Palms, California, learning uh, electrical engineering. Oh, my gosh. And um, it was quite a journey. I bet. It was lovely, though. I will say that the... First of all, having been told that, you know, as many of us are growing up, that math is not going to be your thing. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And then to have tested um, so high in that and to struggle with that and then come out on the other side and and realize that, hmm, I actually really do enjoy that part of of things. Um, So and I think that then fed into my career. So Mm -hmm. as as a lighting designer and electrician, it became really helpful to know circuitry. Well, and it's interesting, too, big picture, right? you know, the way you're obviously able to merge things and... Right. That's pretty interesting. I think it's really important because for artists, you know, we were talking about this before we started this morning, but it is the gig economy. How Mm -hmm. do we make sense of the multiple experiences we've had over our life and Mm -hmm. go, oh, this is actually connected to that. Um, Really interesting story about being a veteran is that it wasn't until I... um, accidentally wrote a play that I realized that I had disconnected my um, military service from the arts community. Mm. Um, So I'll back up and tell the story a little bit. I uh, walked into the Wilma Theater one Sunday afternoon um, looking for the director to catch up with her. And there was a, there was a group doing a, a writing exercise and she said, come on over and join us. I was like, nah. I'm just here to say hi. And um, as it turns out, it wasn't just a group. It was a group with Paula Vogel. Oh, Oh, yes, exactly. Sitting there. And um, I stayed. Um, And so that's how I accidentally wrote a play. But part of that staying, Paula was in town to to write a piece. And it was a piece about um, a Marine returning from war. Mm. And so as a a Marine... um, it was interesting to be a part of that process as both a writer mm. and a dramaturg, mm. right? So being helpful. And, and then I didn't realize until I was in the room that I, no one in Philadelphia knew that I was a veteran because mm. I had never allowed those two worlds to cross. It just mm. never crossed my mind. And so being a part of that process, one, I got to write a play, mm. um, got to hang out with Paula Vogel, and it, which really changed my life. Dream date. And, and I got to come together as a, as a whole being. So, so this writer who also who was also a part of me that was kind of hidden because I was a technician and I, you know, a production manager and a, and a TD and the the veteran, which also was hidden on some level, um, all came out in in one room in in one story. Um, that is so fascinating. I love that story for many reasons, but to realize that we as humans have so many beautiful facets that are sometimes down in the depths. Yeah. You know? And it's it's interesting, too. Um, I want to definitely talk about all the things that are happening at Rack right now. And I know, I mean, when I think about what's happening at Rack, it's as though you are digesting um, so many aspects of the arts community and, and three very large areas. And, you know, this is a lot. And, you know, recently... Um, there's been a layoff of 15 workers, and there will be a rehire and a restructuring. I was wondering if maybe we could start off with a description from you about what RAC is and and what they can do for our community. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Um, 
I'll start with the magic. Mm -hmm. So the magic is how RAC does the work that it does. Um, most folks know RAC based on where their entry point is. So mm -hmm. if you've received a grant from RAC, then you know we make grants. Mm -hmm. If you are, um, you know, a muralist or you are public do public art, then you know that arm. If you're an arts education or an art, a teaching artist, then you know about our arts education and our Right Brain Initiative. So I've found that we have very um, siloed. Um, avenues for understanding what RAC does. And In fact, we should probably say Regional Arts and Culture Council. Exactly. Which I think I always say RAC because I'm very familiar with what, or I'm familiar with some parts of it. Like you said earlier, it's that various person parts of the RAC personality that some That's of right. us don't know the whole thing. That's right. And so RAC was very much like me. It had very different pieces and parts mm -hmm. that um we're all amazing, but weren't necessarily in conversation. And what happens when you bring those things together? So, so the story for um, for me was to come and understand what are all these pieces and parts? What are the programs? How do they work? Mm -hmm. Who are the people behind it? And then to also really dig it in a little bit deeper because it really is not what RAC does that makes it special. It's how they do it. Yes. So grant making, sure. You know, lots of people do grant making, but it is how RAC, the intentionality, the focus, the community base, um, the thoughtfulness in that uh, where there is magic. Same thing for the public art and, and obviously for the arts education program, you know, supporting the arts access education fund um, and the Right Brain Initiative is like, that's that how. Mm -hmm. How do we care about our community? So a lot of the journey for this organization will be raising up that how mm -hmm. and not just the what, because the how is where the impact is. The how yes. is where we come together and where we intersect. So um, that has been the journey for me of this past year to understand that. Like, what it's, is that? It's so interesting, too, because when I think about art and education and art in general, I, I continue to try to ask myself, how do I express to other people who are not artists or in the art community how important art is for our community? And yes. how would, what's your elevator speech on that? <sighs> Well, if there is such a thing. There are so many elevator speeches. I will say for Portland. <laughs> for a or, tall building. A very tall building. Okay. So for a very tall building, I think that uh, one of the things I think about when I think about a, a great city or a great place to live, mm -hmm. what I look for is food, mm -hmm. good food, good people, right? Mm -hmm. Good energy. Um, it's great to have nature, but art. I can't imagine a city or a town anywhere that doesn't have those four things mm -hmm. that feels like a good and healthy place. So mm -hmm. at, at the real essence, I think it's essential for us to be happy, healthy, and connected. Um, and then there's lots and lots of ways to do that and mm -hmm. lots of different kinds of art. What I find in Portland is such a diversity of form. Um, and I'm curious about how do we support even more? So I was just in San Diego um, which is, is you hail from San Diego, yes? Well, I went to school there. Okay, great, yeah. great. <laughs> um, and that was my first experience in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And I experienced Balboa Park, which is gorgeous, and all the art there. And then I walked along the beach, and, you know, the, the, uh, the folks who do those amazing sandcastles. And I thought, you know, sandcastles, chalk art, which is also big in San Diego, mm -hmm. these are these temporal forms. Mm -hmm. This is art, too. Mm -hmm. This is magic. Like, how many people does this touch and make them smile? Mm -hmm. um, and again, like, so what can we do as a regional 
Arts and Culture Council to support other further, you know, moving further out in terms of different art forms and, mm-hmm. and making sure that we are providing access to to that everyday joy. Yeah, I get that because I feel as though we're in this head down culture right now, which yeah. is looking down at the phone and and um, it what came to mind immediately when you said that was just a little tickle that you get when you see someone made a pretty picture on the wall, right? That's right. just it's a little tickly thing that helps us kind of lift out of that head down culture. Right. Well, that's why chalk art is great because you're already head down and, yeah, <laughs> and, and there's, something, there's good. something on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. um, I found in Atlanta, one of the things that was really successful for, for, for a tech community in the Georgia Tech, the, the university, um, was miniatures. Mm. So we commissioned artists to make teeny, teeny, tiny um, houses and scenes and, and place them in, in odd places, like around lampposts and um, mm. uh, next to, like on ledges at bus stops. And you would miss them. Most people would miss them, but then when you did see them, there was this magic sparkle, and you mm. then started looking for them. So right. you started looking for art. You started looking for those, um, I like to call them uh, art bubbles, those mm. moments of like, oh. Yes. Right? Yeah. That, that that exhale. Um, and so that's what I think art at a basic level can do in terms of, of just interrupting our daily pathways mm. mm-hmm. so that we can breathe. So with this restructure, mm-hmm. and I know um, 15 people being laid off is a, a big deal, and they're part of your family. You've been working with them. You talked about the how. And so how did you come to this layoff and the process now of potentially rehiring some of these people with new job descriptions? What is the process you're using to to come into this new restructure? Yeah. And then how are you allowing it to be transparent so people are feeling as though they have a part in it because it is our community agency. Yes, yes, that's a great question. That's about twelve questions in there. So that's right. Let's back it up a little bit. So the um, the the journey to figuring out the what and the how has been the whole year, mm-hmm. right? So this has been a in conversation with community, obviously in conversation with the city and, and our funders and our partners, um, and in conversation with the staff and the board. Um, what do we do? First, understanding what 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 are all the things that we do? Um, how are we doing those things? Um, are we doing them um, with equity? Are they are they fiscally responsible? So, like really lifting the hood to see how those things were working. Um, that was a very exciting journey. We we learned a lot along the way. Um, I found out from our team that we have fifty one programs. Mm. Right? That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So now, of course, I'm going to have to dive back in and, and say, like, what have I missed? <laughs> right? Well, and, and, and so that's part of it. It's like, because how do you define a program? Mm-hmm. Right? And so um, so that was part of us unpacking, like, where are we spending our time? We're super busy, but how can we do better? Right? right. And all we... the people who are, you know, working there, making sure that they're happy and healthy. Yes. Yeah. Doing this good work. That's right. That's right. And so part of that journey was looking at the climate and the culture, which mm. was which was not doing great. Mm. And, and for a lot of reasons, um, it has to do with equity, but it also has to do with doing too much. Yes. It has to do with doing things that, uh, you know, over time, this organization has been around a long time and it's amazing. And you, you kind of keep adding on the, it's like the, the projects and the on the programs and mm-hmm. and we we weren't taking the time to go to pick up that project and say is this still us yeah. is this still what's best for the community is this still a good um use of our time you know yeah. we have two kinds of resources we got the people resources and we have the obviously the funding mm-hmm. um and so it was that careful kind of introspection of of um 
time and people. So this journey to to decision of of uh, restructuring is is a huge journey, as you know, because you are impacting people and lives in that. There's emotions in that, of course, um, and there's care. So the the decision, um, the equity focus on this was to really look at what programs are really struggling financially, mm-hmm. and and how do we think about you know one was workplace giving, mm-hmm. right? We know that workplace giving has been struggling um, nationally, but also at RAC for many years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, the team came to me early on and said, can you please help us? Mm. <laughs> can you help us change this thing, transform it, morph it, sunset it, whatever that is, so it is um, something that we can actually feel proud of. Someone <laughs> asked me specifically about one program. It's the Art of Leadership. Yeah. And is that program going to continue? Yes, it's happening in about an hour. Okay, great. So we're on session number five. <laughs> um, Art of Leadership is a great, um, again, that was a transformation project. Mm-hmm. So that came in as BCA, which business, see, I don't remember what the acronym stands oh, business for. Business Community for the Arts, yes. I think. Um, and we took that in. And then we transformed it mm. again. So we looked at it. It wasn't working like, financially mm-hmm. in the in the model, and, and also human resources that were being being put into the program. And we took it on, and then we started looking at it. And we've transformed it into the art of leadership, which is now um, wonderfully successful, mm, which is great. great. Mm-hmm. I think we have seventy eight people signed up for this session. So wow. started with you know in the teens to the twenties, and now we're at seventy eight. So now we have the problem of success. Yes. We have outscaled um, ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is a good problem, but this is a similar um, this is a similar conversation with Right Brain. Mm-hmm. Um, right Brain Initiative is one of the most amazing um, push in uh, professional development for for teaching artists that that I've seen in the country. Um, and there's good ones, but this was a model that had been honed over over a decade, I think twelve years, mm-hmm. um, working in partnership over the years with young audiences, and they finally have figured out the magic. Right, the magic of what's the right balance of when to come in, teaching the teachers is the, is to give them the tools and then support them and mm-hmm. make sure the whole school is on board. So finally have the model. That's interesting because it's as though you're nurturing programs and then you also have to know when it's time to set them free. Correct. And similar to this restructure with compassion and tender thought and care. Yeah how to do that. I mean, as you said, the how is important. And I know the how is, the how is very important in all areas. Yes. Yes. So, and and for right brain is similarly, you know, the, one of the first things I said during my interview process for the job, I'm like, that program's amazing. It should be launched. Mm. So I'm coming out of the creative tech sector. And so we launch programs once they get to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so for RAC, what happened was um, we had a wonderfully successful program. We're in over 70 schools at this point, mm-hmm. which is a lot for three arts integration specialists, mm-hmm. right? So deep relationships, but in order to grow further and folks wanted we can you please come to our school can you come to our school we would have to keep adding staff and this is at the point where it didn't make sense for an arts council to be the one holding that kind of work that's Mm. a direct service so Mm. part of this journey was figuring out well who who could take this program we don't want this program to die right and who could take the people with it right Mm. so um ya made the right Made, made the most sense because they had been our partners all along. Right. Um, and there's still a journey in that transition. Yeah. Um, How are you taking care of the people who have been laid off and, and helping them pave the way to either a new 
career path or a new place of employment or coming back to Regional Arts and Culture Council? Yeah, great question. So for for Right Brain, um, part of the conversations with young audiences is that they have an opportunity to work, to continue their work, but under the umbrella of young audiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited about that. We'll see see what happens there. For our uh, for those who are impacted by the layoffs, um, what our goal is in what we're doing is to have a preference for for those employees or recent employees mm-hmm. and our current employees to have um, preference in the hiring. So as positions are are going up, we're holding it internal only first. Oh, okay. So that's a that's an important part of, of, of how we're doing and caring for. And they're different positions because we we let entire um, programs go. Mm-hmm. So there's different skill sets. Um, I am encouraged by the number of internal and, and um, impacted um, staff who are applying. Oh, great. So, so that feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that, that's one part of that care, right? Mm-hmm. It is never easy. And, and this is not taken lightly. Yes. Um, but we did need to focus in on our core areas and then do the two things that I feel... Um, an arts council are uniquely positioned to do, and that is fundraising for the region, growing that resource pie, um, and also advocacy yeah. for well for all the things, not just for artists, but for arts education, um, for a, a kind of way of living, for supporting this, this gig economy maybe mm. a little bit differently. Speaking um, of, actually, I, I wanted to get back a little bit to artists because we're going to run out of time. It's so much fun talking to you about these things. And I, I wondered, I, I was recently, I'm going to interview Regina Carter mm-hmm. uh, later, and she's a violinist, and she was the recipient of a Doris Duke Award, and they had a video I watched about what it is that those types of awards, what they do for artists, giving them a sense of stability in an otherwise relatively um, rocky mm-hmm. kind of life. You know, I have probably, I don't know, five revenue and I put in quotes, <laughs> streams. I'm always working on lots of projects. That's how artists run. Mm-hmm. So how do you see, what would be your beautiful vision of the life of an artist in a secure world that that our culture could give them? Yeah, that's such a great question. It's a visionary question. So I would say there's a whole bunch of things. One is acknowledging that the, the, this idea of revenue streams is actually healthy, mm-hmm. right? And how, but how do we make it easier? Mm-hmm. So um, what can we share? So you think about models like we work, um, where are you working too hard to manage your schedule? Or like, what are the resources that maybe an arts council has that would help are not even just individual artists, but smaller arts organizations, and even some of the larger ones, um, build capacity, mm-hmm. right? So is it space? Mm-hmm. Do you need a place to, to sit on Thursdays? Is it um, you need some help with, uh, you know, HR? And, or an intern. Or, or an intern, right? Health insurance. <laughs> insurance, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so like, what are those opportunities? And and I think so part of the, for us, as we restructure, is like, do less, do it better, and then what? Like, mm. What else can we do to support this this kind of gig economy in this community? And I think moving forward, I want to think about um, intentional investment over time. So Doris Duke Awards are fantastic. They're transformational. Mm-hmm. They are huge buckets of money, and they are unrestricted. Mm-hmm. You can 
pay your mortgage. You can, you know, do whatever you want to do with that. And that is really helpful because it allows artists a chance to dream. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the shifts that Rack has done over the past couple of years before I got here is, is shifting funding and some intention um, intentionally towards individual artists and smaller emerging collectives, whether they're 501c3s or not. Also understanding that the 501c3 model is is challenging. It may not be the model of the future for for all of us, mm-hmm. right? And so, how do we make sure we get money into into to that mm-hmm. um, area? So that's that's been an intentional focus of RAC and one we want to grow. And we have a fellowship program that we would love to, you know, quadruple in size mm-hmm. and dollars because it is those transformational gifts. But those are so few. You know, mm-hmm. the Duke Awards. I think there's twelve, right? Right. So MacArthur. twelve at MacArthur. Like, how do we do even more? And mm-hmm. I think this idea of investment. Um, I like to think about wealth building. Where does that come in for artists? Yes. Um, and the other piece is really fundraising. And just to, because I know there's a lot of um, anxiety around um, jobs, job stability, mm-hmm. but also fundraising. When an arts council goes out and fundraises, it might feel like, hey, wait a minute. Are you going to take money from the very community that you're supposed to be supporting? Yes. And so just to be really clear, like, no, there are things that the arts council can apply for that doesn't make sense for, or um, an individual organization would not be able to apply for. Mm -hmm. So what are those big platform things that we can do um, that will raise up the the whole boat? We need more money in in the system. Yeah. I will also say that Portland has a lot. Mm -hmm. Having just come from a meeting with the 60 largest cities and the the Mies around the country, um, they are in awe of our Arts Access Education Fund. Mm. How did you do that? They mm. ask. Mm. Now we know we have some problems with it, but mm. they're they don't even have it. Right. So to have teachers in K through five in Portland, mm-hmm. that it's not everywhere. We can push out further, but what an amazing thing to have that's mm-hmm. consistent and that is, is 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 working. And also, I think the other piece is the two percent of both Multnomah and the city of Portland have this support for public art that doesn't get value engineered out like it does in other cities. So mm-hmm. that is a substantial commitment to the arts that we have these two things that other cities would would love to have just one of. Yeah. So like I you know try to keep that national perspective and you know come at things with a place of 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 thinking that we have an abundance and mm-hmm. and how do we how do we recognize that, celebrate that and then again I'm always about what else can we do to grow the pie? Yeah, it's so interesting because I've, I've thought about this a long time and I've been working here as an artist for a long time uh, about how to continue to communicate to businesses and we have plenty of big art businesses, agencies that are making big projects that could employ artists in our city. And, and certainly, I think every business would benefit from hiring an artist, but that requires flexibility because artists also have other things that they're doing and and how to to promote this idea that having an artist in your midst is going to lift your boat a hundred percent I believe that yes yes I think it's just going to take time time and we're going to take a few brave souls Mm -hmm. who are going to be early adopters Mm -hmm. you know this is the work of ideas like having an artist on retainer Mm -hmm. because there are creative emergencies where Mm -hmm. you need a a person that thinks differently at the table Mm -hmm. um there is a an idea that uh, we could have a cultural policy that says that maybe artists are a part of every bureau, mm. that there's not one poet laureate or a creative laureate, that there is an artist who is employed mm-hmm. um, 
at least part-time, to be in the room during planning conversations and things like that. It will change the way we think about things. A hundred percent. I just, what came to mind immediately was Department of Corrections mm-hmm. or every governmental organization in our city just to have a poet yeah. start the day with a poem or just to kind of soften the edges of so many of these conversations that right now, especially in our world today, feel very cut and dry, black and white. And I just always feel that art has that ability to soften the edges of these conversations and allow for more communication. Yeah, art gets in the spaces in between, right? And this is the thing that can connect us. And also recognizing that artists don't even have to come and perform by their embodied experience. They're going to change the nature of the conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think about we build buildings and then we, we, um, and we put public art in them, which is great, But then we realized that we didn't actually build it for people. And so I would say, why don't we invite in some choreographers and some some actors, some directors who understand how people move through space Mm. and and have them be a part of the building process. We had a great program in in Atlanta with Delta where they invited artists um, and, and creative tech and all kinds of engineers and different thinkers to say, how do we make the waiting experience um, when you're at a Delta gate? feel human scale, feel good, feel positive, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of positive about waiting. And yet, yeah. when you in, you and you employ different thinkers um, and different ways of, of understanding space and relationships, that's that diversity that will really help us um, make better things. Yeah, and be together better. Right. You know, I just love that idea also when once an, an artist is in a conversation, it just seems, as you said, that space opens and it will help the whole culture of that yeah. organization just breathe a little more. And we're storytellers. Yeah. Right? And I think that's important. I met with the city auditors and in a room full of audits and it's lovely numbers. And mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a, a numbers nerd as mm-hmm. well. And um, by the end of the conversation, uh, we all got really excited because I offered up this idea. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we could, we could turn those numbers into stories, back into stories? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, there's data visualization. Or there's, like, what if we just embedded a filmmaker in residence um, around these numbers? Because the numbers are great, but we don't relate to numbers. We're human beings. Mm-hmm. We relate to story. And so they got really excited about that. And vice versa. What if we had an auditor in residence not auditing, but as that kind of thinker mm-hmm. in residence at at the Arts Council or at an arts organization. I love that. I never would have thought about the trade. That's really cool. Right? So we do these kind of cross internships and mm-hmm. everybody gets paid and we support these as, as positions. Yeah. I would love if there are any companies out there or people who are listening who are aware of a company that has an artist in residence, I would love to hear about it because that term has come up several times recently in other conversations and having an artist in residence in any capacity, I think would benefit any business. Yes. You know, I agree. Yeah. I appreciate you talking to me so much. Uh, I might could talk to you once a month for heaven's sake. And uh, I wish you all the best. I know you're very available. Uh, You have a blog on the Mm rack.org website and there are so many ways to be a part of rack. Uh, certainly being a donor, looking at all the programs, seeing where you might fit in, where you might need an artist, or where you're, maybe you might be someone who might be helpful to the restructuring process at RAC. So be sure to take a look at RAC.org and see how you fit in. And thank you again for yes, taking the time. Thank you.
Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, same, same here. Have a good day. You also. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Adventures in Artslandia. 